Welcome to RNFM Radio, Nursing Unleashed. We're your hosts, Kevin Ross and Keith Carlson, and we bring you inspiring interviews with a wide array of nursing experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs. We're glad you're here. So welcome and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode here on RNFM Radio on the Pulse of Nursing. Without a doubt, this is the platform where we are always discussing the latest news, trends, and hot topics in the world of nursing and healthcare. Our dynamic guest list, both past and present, spans the whole spectrum from nurse authors, bloggers, speakers, filmmakers, and entrepreneurs. These are the leaders and thought provokers in the industry, and we're thrilled to be able to bring them to you right here with us on RNFM. Tonight is Monday, July 15th. This is our 70, 70th episode. Woo, that's a tongue twister for some reason. And, of course, again, I want to welcome you. I am Kevin Ross here in my studio in Colorado, my fellow co-host, Keith Carlson. He's hanging out down south in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He's here with us. Keith, always a pleasure to be here with you tonight, sir. And how are things in your neck of the woods? Hey, Kevin. Good evening, everyone. Things are great down here in Santa Fe. The sun's out. We've had great what we call monsoon rains late afternoon every day. So the weather is beautiful and moist. It's really nice to have some humidity here for once for once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. So things are great down here. We're really excited about episode number 70 and our wonderful guest this evening so welcome everyone thanks for being here and kevin's going to tell you a little bit about how to get in touch keep in touch and be in touch with us and then we are going to move on to a couple interesting tidbits and then our guest of the evening so take it away Kevin. Well, of course. Thank you, sir. And if you're listening to us live, you're probably hanging out on rnfmradio.com, where we have the player that has all of our live shows and archive shows right there in the upper right-hand margin of the site. We're also hanging out on Blog Talk Radio, where we are hosted on blogtalkradio.com, which is one of the, if not I think the largest, uh, internet radio platform out there. And we appreciate being a part of that Blog Talk Radio family. We're hanging out on Tweet Chat under the hashtag RNFM Radio, but I know many of you might be stumped on that one on how to follow that because Tweet Chat simply disappeared, but hashtags are still uh, very much in force. And so we tend to use aggregators, and one of them that we really like to use is Hootsuite. And so if you have an aggregator such as Hootsuite, you can just put in the hashtag RNFM Radio and follow what's happening over here on the show tonight. Questions, comments, dialogue, whatever it is that you'd like to put in over there on Twitter, we'll certainly find it with that hashtag RNFM Radio. Of course, all of our archive shows are hanging out over on iTunes. So if you just open up your iTunes application and under podcast, you just search RNFM Radio, all one word, no spaces, and you'll find us over there. 
ProMed Network also hosts us uh, as well, promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM radio. And there you'll find us right there on the homepage, especially uh, at least about an hour or two after the show. We're hanging out right there on their homepage. As always, uh, our call-in number to either listen to the show or come on with any questions or comments, 347-308-8064. Now, uh, one of the things that Keith had talked about, or at least that I wanted to mention, is uh, a little bit of news. We wanted to add a little bit of news for you and to alert you of the Scrubs Magazine uh, blog carnival. Now, if you don't know anything about Scrubs Magazine, well, why wouldn't you? So uh, if you don't, then head on over to ScrubsMag.com. This is a lifestyle for nurses blog site and magazine. And uh, Keith and I and several other nurse bloggers are involved in the blog carnival. You don't have to like circus peanuts or cotton candy, but if you like to write and share content, you can head on over to scrubsmag.com to find out more information. And our blog carnival, the first host is hanging out over at The Nerdy Nurse. So The Nerdy Nurse, Brittany Wilson, is hosting our first blog carnival where we are all giving tips and tricks for those new graduate nurses, what do you? What are your thoughts on that, Keith? Uh, have you uh, received any sort of commentary, comments about your post that you had on the blog carnival? I've gotten one comment so far, actually one or two. I think one from you actually about a mm-hmm. soft landing for new nurses, which I think is really important. Something that we don't always talk about, and the blog carnivals. I'll say, are going to be themed every month. So this month is new nurses, and every month the host at the various blogs will be choosing their own theme and topic that the other bloggers will submit posts about. So it's going to be great. It'll be every month. It'll be a different theme, a different subject, and there's going to be some great blogging and great information out there. Now, I'm actually on scrubsmag.com, and I'm actually not able to find the link to the carnival. Oh, here it is. It's right on the homepage. So oh, we can tweet that it out. Is. Yeah. yeah, we will tweet this out so everyone can find the carnival. So I'll send out the announcement right now. That sounds great. And that's the thing. So uh, this is a, I believe, on the 1st and the 15th of every month, we will be submitting new uh, posts to be a part of the carnival, and then each site will be hosting this uh, as a roundup. So the host ends up adding a little bit of uh, dialogue or commentary as we like to do here on RNFM, but they put that on the site. And one thing that I wanted to do, or at least RNFM Radio, we wanted to do was to add additional support to the blog Carnival, certainly invite other nurse bloggers, writers, content creators out there to be a part of this Carnival. Again, like I said, circus peanuts, cotton candy, and candied apples are optional, uh, but I think carnivals are fun, and certainly a blog carnival is um, a real uh, hoot, and I've certainly enjoyed the interactions that we've already received from community members out there. And this really is, uh, as Keith and I like to say, and Keith really coined this term, collaboration on steroids. We're all working together to bring uh, a message together and and certainly empower nurses, and we're going to be talking about empowered uh, nurses tonight on the show. That's right. Exactly. So I'm just tweeting out under the RNFM radio hashtag a link to the blog Carnival, and we will be moving on to our guest of the evening. Our guest, as Kevin said, is all about empowering nurses, and her name is Lori Brown, 
R-N-M-N-J-D. She's a nurse attorney with over 30 combined years as a registered nurse and an attorney. Ms. Brown combines her specialties with a practice of medical legal consulting and representing nurses before the licensing board. A dedicated nurse for 12 years, she practiced in med surge, gynecology, urology, neurosurgery, orthopedics, general surgery, and home health care. She maintains her license and is a camp nurse every summer. That sounds really fun. I'm going to have to do that sometime. Now, Lori has dedicated 12 years serving patients in hospitals from Hollywood to the Midwest. She has served her clients in the legal community for over 23 years as an attorney. She's committed to continuing education, and she takes every opportunity to stay abreast of current legal trends, issues, and changes. She has a passion for learning and personal growth and enjoys the challenge of being an outstanding advocate for nurses in her field. Lori formed Empowered Nurses because she felt that nurses have the answers to the problems in healthcare. Hallelujah. However, nurses do not feel comfortable speaking their mind for fear of getting in trouble or even losing their job. So Empowered Nurses provides tools to nurses to speak their mind, stand in their power, and be a change agent to improve patient care while legally protecting their license. You can find her at empowerednurses.org. And Lori Brown, welcome back to RNFM Radio. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Kevin. How are you? We're great. Well, we We're, couldn't. Yeah, we couldn't be better, and we certainly are much better spending our Monday evening with you, and of course, all of our listeners out there. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. Sure, and he doesn't say that to all our guests. He really doesn't. Uh, well, <laughs> I think maybe that was probably. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that might have been the first time I've opened with that. So that might good. have been. Yeah, that was very nice. Very nice, Kevin. Hmm. Wow. So, Lori, you were on RNFM Radio once in 2012. And that was talking more about your medical legal consulting, correct? Right. Yeah. So we will touch on that for sure, but we also definitely want to get to empowered nurses because that's your new baby, and we want to make sure we give the baby all of the attention and energy it deserves. But first, I just wanted to go back to your previous history of RNFM Radio, and would you like to say a little bit of what, what made you make that transition from nursing into law? What was the path that you followed? Well, people always ask me, why did I go into nursing, um, go from nursing into law? And I always joke, it's like as nurses, the doctors told you what to do. But as an attorney, I tell the doctors what to do. Um, but really, it's the same process. If you have a patient, they don't come in with a sign over their head that says acute abdomen. You have to assess, plan, intervene, and evaluate. And the same is true in law. When a client comes to you, they don't have a sign over their head saying tort, uh, a tort or contract issue or nursing board issue, and it's the same process. You assess, plan, intervene, and evaluate. Right, right. Well, and, you know, it was interesting <clears throat> When we talk about, uh, you know, nursing and law and, of course, protecting our license and this litigious society, that, and, you know, you know all the legalese here, when it comes to our practice, y- we were talking off the air about a question, and certainly you can uh, offer that to our listeners out there. The question that pops up when I renew my license here in the state of Colorado, asking me regarding any kind of discipline uh, against my uh, that I if I know of any action against my license and I think that that was a question that popped up the first time well at least the 
I need to renew this year. So two years ago, I think Colorado started doing that. I don't remember that happening before. But I think what we really would love to know is how can a nurse protect his or her license from discipline by the licensing board? And going back to that question that we had off the air, are nurses reporting that question more often uh, than not these days when they are renewing their license as far as is, if there is an action, at least that they have any knowledge of an action against their license? Probably a sorry, that's a long-winded question, but uh, certainly a good transition into this next one here. <laughs> well, um, throughout my years of working with nurses, I've represented over 200 nurses before the licensing board, and I started seeing some trends as far as why people got in trouble, um, and that's actually why I'm formed Empowered Nurses. But I have three simple tips to share with your viewers right now. Um, the first is on the renewal application, you have to be honest because if they catch you, that is called fraud or mis material misrepresentation in obtaining a license. So even though you know you feel really uncomfortable um, and you don't want to check that box that says yes, you really have to because the board just wants to know you're safe. And nine times out of ten, checking that box is not going to hurt you in any way. You may need to explain the circumstances, why you checked yes, or even appear before the board, but they just need to know you're safe. So it's better off to be honest than um, to try and hide something, because if they find out after the fact, it'll be worse. Um, so that's the first tip. Uh, the second tip is um, change your address. If you move, you need to notify the board of your address. So just like you have a list of addresses or people to notify when you move, add the board to that list because if the board doesn't have your current address and um, they need to contact you for whatever reason, um, they can default your license um, and suspend it even without you knowing anything about it. So it's part of protecting your license is to keep the board apprised of your address. And the third tip I have for everybody is to um, on your employment applications. If you've been terminated from a job previously, you need to put that on there um, when it asks you because, again, that could be used as, say, fraud and material misrepresentation in obtaining a job. And, again, the board wants to know you're, you're safe and they, you're taking care of patients with their, their medical needs, um, and they have to know you're trustworthy. So, so just answer it truthfully and, and put instead of when it says reason, just say we'll discuss in an interview. There's no problem with that. Um, but that way you're safe, you're doing the right thing, you're honest, and you're, integ you're in integrity with yourself. Hmm. Well, Lori, I, I had a, um, a chat question. So we, we actually have a chat on Blog Talk Radio, and one of our um, loyal followers and, of course, um, first guest on RNFM Radio, Andrew Lopez, uh, I know he's very involved in advocating for nurses and empowering nurses. And his question was, um, and you know, maybe it's somewhat of a rhetorical question, but you know, he wonders how many licensing boards are actually following up on these um, uh, actions per se. So if someone does, in fact, check no, but then there is an action. And what about cases where, let's say, that a person hadn't been notified properly? Uh, and so they didn't know that there was a, an action against their license, but there was, in fact, uh, an action. Um, as far as the first question is concerned, 
um, the board doesn't actively go out and seek if you weren't truthful on your renewal application or on employment applications. But if you get into trouble or if there is a complaint against your license, just because somebody complains against you doesn't mean that charges will be filed. An investigation's formed first. So you could actually just have like a silly complaint that would go away, but when they investigated it and they realized that you weren't truthful on your application, it's an automatic um, charges. So whereas before you wouldn't have been charged, now just by not telling the truth and in their investigation they figured it out, you will be charged. So does that make sense? It, it does to me, and I think Andrew's still typing, so I'll see if it makes sense to him as well. Okay, but, and he had a second um, part of the question. Keep... Yeah, sure. Right, we'll see sure. if there's a follow-up from that question. Okay. Right. And then, so, yeah. Lori, right, you, you also said that um, that if you have a disciplinary action, you can say yes on an application and then just say, we'll discuss it interview. You don't mm -hmm. have to go into it on your on your mm -hmm. application in any way? No, uh, uh just say we'll discuss in the interview. Okay, great. That's really good advice because a lot of nurses, not a lot, but some nurses have come to me when they've had disciplinary actions or lost a job due to a med error or something, and they're often trying to figure out exactly how to navigate those waters of once you have that action against you. What do you do? What do you say? What do you not say when you're looking for another job? And again, I believe honesty is the best policy. And if you go in there um, and tell them that you made a mistake, you've learned so much from it, that's the kind of nurse that I'd want, somebody who learns from their mistakes rather than somebody who covers it up. Exactly. Right. Very good point. So that's that's something to really take home about that, uh, listeners, uh, if you do have a disciplinary action against your license. Now, Kevin, is there another question from the chat from... Andrew right no, now. Andrew or? actually says, yeah, Andrew says that Lori did a fine job. Uh, he thanks her. Uh, he says yes. Um, but uh, let's see. It. Uh, he says that he's talked to many nurses fired from one job or another, but it usually does not keep them from getting another job. So, right. Um, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. see uh, legal action per se. But... One thing that I did want to touch on just briefly, Lori, um, because we're gonna we're about to embark on this new platform uh, that you're behind, and um, when it comes to being an entrepreneur and covering your license and covering your assets, do you uh, have any information for our nurses out there that are uh, as far as insurance is concerned, when it comes to just the, the malpractice insurance and then uh, then spills over into general liability insurance. And so how that all plays out. Do you do you kind of work in that spectrum there and, and offer that information to nurses out there, especially as entrepreneurs and self-employed nurses? Uh, many nurses come to me and ask, do I need my own malpractice insurance? And as an employee of a facility, a hospital or whatever, healthcare organization, your employer is responsible for all of your actions. Now, there are pros and cons of having your own insurance. Um, the pro is that you're entitled to have your own attorney. And the con is if I have a choice, between, it's just another deep pocket to go after. Um, so if you've got a policy and your hospital has a policy, you know, it might 
encourage the attorney to name you individually. Now, since self-employed nurses or entrepreneurs don't have a employer to protect them, then they need to protect themselves. Now, many states have laws that say um, that if you serve as an expert witness, you're immune from any liability. Um, so mm -hmm. if you're serving as an expert witness, that's something to check out. Now, I don't know if it applies to consultants or not because that's really behind the scenes. Um, in my experience, I have not heard of any consultant being sued because you're actually the agent for the attorney themselves and the attorney's the ultimate decision maker. Um, but it's always, you know, these policies are very inexpensive, and if you can sleep easier at night, then it's definitely worthwhile. Mm -hmm. But you're saying that having your own individual liability insurance could actually make a lawyer go after you because you have that insurance? They could name you individually, um, uh, whereas okay. they might not otherwise. Um, it's it's the, Again, there's pros and cons to it. Um, I love the idea of having my own attorney. If I have uh -huh. some, I don't want to just rely on the hospital's attorney, especially if your interests are adverse. Um, the other thing I like about some of these policies is they have disciplinary defense coverage. Now, that part is not insurance. It's more of a reimbursement. But, again, huh. it's every little bit helps. Mm -hmm. I, right. I just... For me personally, I mean, I, I own my businesses and, and I do carry general liability and malpractice. And, uh, you know, Andrew had made a point about nurses, you know, at the bedside either being thrown under the bus or scapegoated to not carry their own malpractice. I know for me, it just helps me sleep a little bit better to know that I have some control over that. Uh, it is definitely one of the checks that I write annually. I do not mind writing at all. Uh, to cover my assets. It is a very small investment in the much larger picture. And I do want to add in there, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Lori, but the new BAA, so the Business Associate Agreements and the HIPAA uh, and how we share information because my uh, practice, in my private practice, we have to share a lot of information and there are additional coverages that are required. And it was funny, I was talking to my insurance agent last month and he said something like, oh, no, no, you'll, you should be fine. Uh, Ninety-plus percent of uh, the country is okay, he said, unless you live in Colorado. And I'm like, that's exactly where I live. We actually have oh. to carry extra insurance uh, here in Colorado in case, there, in case any of the information that I have about my patients is compromised in any way. Um, I have to carry an amount that exceeds what the national average is when it comes to HIPAA violations. So just keep that in mind, anyone out there who is an independent contractor and has to uh, manage or, or monitor, have in any way trade information back and forth with a covered entity. So I've definitely gotten pretty schooled in that in the last couple of months as I've been hurriedly trying to get compliant uh, as of this month actually here in Colorado. Wow. Well, that's a lot to take on, Kevin. It's a good thing you found out that there was an exception in your own state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Right. Okay. Well, Lori, we could talk about nursing and law and disciplinary actions. And, Kevin, maybe we should do like a legal nurse consulting roundtable sometime and talk about all these issues around nursing and the law. But we want to make sure we spend a significant amount of time on empowered nurses. So can you tell us 
why you decided to launch Empowered Nurses and what the mission of the website and the and the project is? Sure. Um, I, as I said, you know, representing 200 plus nurses and doing medical legal work, I can see exactly where nurses um, make mistakes or where the system failed them, for example. And I think the nurses have the answers to these problems in healthcare but they're afraid to speak up or or just they're not listened to. And so I have a five-part process where I help nurses speak their mind, stand in their power, and be a change agent to improve patient care while protecting their license. And the first component is um, creating an environment that you love. And even though the hospital itself may change, you can change the way you look at the hospital or, or healthcare system wherever you're at. Um, and and the, it's all in the way you look at things to make things look differently. And if you'd like, I have a free gift for your listeners. Um, if they would like a free report on Thrive in Your Nursing Practice, that's free on my website at empowerednurses.org. So the second part of the process. No, no, I was going to, let's tweet that out. Yeah, free gift. Oh, I love it. I will right away. Yeah, go ahead, Lori. Yeah. In fact, uh, as well as the how to thrive in your nursing practice is a quiz called Are You an Empowered Nurse? Um, and it's really fun hearing people take the quiz and, and seeing what their results are because you realize that there are so many things in nursing that you can change or the way that you want to show up in your practice. Um, and so taking the Empowered Nurses quiz is, is another fun way of doing it. Um, so my second part of my program, aside from creating the environment, is communication because we're constantly communicating in um, to physicians, peers, administration, patients, you name it. And in this computer age where people nece- don't necessarily talk to each other, it's all based on the form, a lot gets lost in the translation. And I think, you know, we're sort of exchanging high tech um, and at the cost of high touch. Uh, and so the part on communication helps get that high touch back. Um, the third part is leadership because nurses are leaders on their unit. They're leaders for their patients. They're leaders in their lives. And so that part teaches leadership skills. And the fourth is all about protection. Now you have all these skills to speak your mind, create the environment that you want, and how to communicate. Um, how do you do it without um, having your license be in jeopardy or your job? So the the protection part teaches all those things. And then lastly, the um, organizational change. How do you make an impact on the organization and do it in the right way? A lot of nurses say, we need more staff. Well, that's not going to cut it. There are ways to get accomplished um, having more support, but it may not necessarily look like more staff, but it's all about creating win-wins with the nurse and the, the facility. And I'm going to be having um, continuing education on all of these parts, um, and that's coming soon. Wow. Well, thank you, Lori. So a question we had, sorry, Kevin. Um, yeah, was, no, I, I think uh, it's a question that you had that, that we had here yeah. in the chat. So, yeah, feel free. Are these modules you're talking about, these different aspects of Empowered Nurses, are they downloadable audio programs? Are they PDFs? Um how how does it actually happen when people sign up for these programs with you? Well, we are in the process of developing them. I met with the continuing education 
um, coordinator and approver um, just, uh, I believe it was last week. Um, they will be downloadable audio recordings, and there will be continuing ed credit for all of it. Wow, great. And it's in CEUs. That's CEUs. Yeah, I, I plan to like do two a month, um, as well as having like a private um, membership forum so nurses can express themselves and feel supported at the same time. If they've had an awful day, they have a place that they can go and talk about things in a safe, protected manner um, with a group of, of people, other nurses that are like them that care and want to make a difference in nursing. And they can talk confidentially. In fact, they have to sign a confidentiality and a participation waiver for all of it. Um, not waiver, I guess that's the wrong word, <laughs> consent. Mm -hmm. um, and they can say, hey, I had this situation today. What can I do? And a nurse, who knows where, another, across the country could say, hey, we have that at our, um, where I work, and this is what we do. And it's a place where we can communicate, collaborate, and stand together to, be, to improve patient care. And that's mm. ultimately what this organization is all about. Nurses well, need to that take back really their nice. power. Yeah, that yeah. sounds really nice and empowering because, you know, oftentimes whether nursing or any other profession that uh, you have to share such intimate details and just how you're fe feeling, uh, it, it can be very challenging when you feel so exposed. Mm -hmm. So if it's more of a closed door, I mean, still community, but at least you feel a little bit more protected in that environment and and uh, everybody's, I guess, sharing sort of similar stories and what they're going through. So. That's that's a wonderful uh, offering that you'll have there. And it's all about um, supporting. It's not about complaining because using these tools, we can change things um, just by having um, the different tools that I have available that I teach my members, um, such as like responsibility, commitment, authenticity, and being a contribution. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Lori... When you're offering nurses this type of education and, can, well, it's real, really continuing education and empowerment, do you picture people doing these downloadable recordings and, and classes and then interacting with one another? Is there going to be some sort of um, platform where people can share what they're learning or is, will that be your Facebook page or how do you see how do you envision these empowered nurses going out into the world and then communicating with one another about what they've learned? Again, they can communicate privately in our membership community as well as communicating on my Facebook page or um, my Twitter, however they want to communicate. Um, I'm going to have two two different levels of membership because I want this to be all-inclusive. Uh, if people aren't necessarily interested in the continuing ed, then they can have just the membership part um, with a different community. But oh, nurses, I see. Yeah. So nurses are 80% are of the workforce and have 0% of the power. And as things are changing in healthcare, we've got to get our power back. Hmm. Well, sure, sure. And, you know, to, to get the power and empowering and extending your reach, uh, Lori, another question from... Andrew Lopez, he was curious to um, see if you might be in in talks to either potentially license this or offer it in a, in a much larger platform, such as uh, over at the Nurses Network, where there these are online CEU providers and it's on a much larger scale. 
and I don't know if that's something that you've looked into to help extend your reach of empowered nurses. I do plan to have live events where um, people can learn, you know, the majority of this formula that I have um, in a couple-day program. And at some point in the future, I plan to certify other trainers to teach the content. So it just depends on what medium people learn best. Do they learn best on a a 30-minute audio? And even 30-minute audio is going to reinforce everything that's learned in the live events as well. Okay, so so you'll, you potentially might have some train-the-trainer programs then so that you can at least uh, replicate yourself, so to speak, and be able to offer it to more nurses out there. Right. And um, one benefit we have right now, which is kind of fun, I have um, an I am an empowered nurse pin, and my goal is to have every nurse wearing these. And patients will say, well, what's an empowered nurse? And you say, we're here to improve patient care. And the patients are going to love it, and you're going to feel good about wearing it and being proud to be an empowered nurse. Great. And then the doctors will ask, so what's an empowered nurse? And it gives you a moment to actually, like you said, stand in your power and actually explain what that means to be an empowered nurse. And that can be a very difficult thing to do to, not to flaunt, but to demonstrate one's empowerment towards someone who you see as, quote unquote, a superior or someone who has power over you as nurses sometimes view physicians. So that would be a very interesting dynamic to explore. Yeah, and I do hope nurses, you know, when they get that feeling that a patient's um, condition is changing, that they feel comfortable calling the doctor and say, hey, you know, we've got a problem here and you need to come in. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. Right, good point. So, Lori, I was curious in terms of Empowered Nurses, you said that you have a Empowered Nurses Bill of Rights. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what that actually means? Because I'm very, very curious to learn about it. Well, it's a 16-point Bill of Rights. You know how we have the Patient Bill of Rights. But this is the Bill of Rights for nurses, and ultimately um, I have done some research to ask nurses, you know, what if they could change one thing that they find the most frustrating in nursing, what would it be? And so um, I have a whole um, 16 points, um, and this will be going on my website soon. But it's the nurses have a right to speak their mind, have a reasonable and fair assignment, have time to complete the work assigned. I would love to see nurses get paid more for higher acuity patients. I want nurses to go home feeling like they did a good job, feel part of a team, Um, not be pushed to work overtime because there's no one else, not be made to feel like they can't call in sick when they're really ill, Um, adequate staffing so everyone has time to do everything each patient requires, including psychosocial support, be respected by patients, their families, coworkers, management, administration, physicians, and other healthcare providers, be acknowledged for doing a good job, a fair schedule with an equal number of holidays and weekends compared to coworkers. Um, not be hurt by a patient. Be supported after a difficult shift. Have time to document care provided, and refuse to be floated to an unfamiliar unit. And if anybody, any of the listeners, have other things to add, I'd love to add them. I don't think. Wow. I don't think that sounds unreasonable at all, and it sounds quite frankly, 
a dream, and it should be easy. To, well, I say it should be, in theory, easy to achieve all of these things, Lori. And uh, yeah, certainly we we would appreciate any input from the uh, RNFM uh, community. But another, our very active Andrew Lopez had asked, "Do you have a picture, photo, or logo of the Empowered Nurses pin?" that we could either send out via Twitter or Instagram or in some way? Ah, great question. Yeah, I do, actually. Um, in fact, they're at the, they're getting made right now. All right. Okay. Fantastic. And is there, a, is there a place we could see a photo of the pin? Sure. Let me, let me or you can send back. that to us, or you can also send it to us later. It could be we'll later. make sure it gets out to everyone. Yeah. So don't trouble yourself too much about it right now. But we're letting our listeners know and everyone out there in Twitter land that the Empowered Nurses Bill of Rights will soon be up on empowerednurses.org. And uh, Lori, I'm hoping that at some point, once that's up, maybe you could put together a a blog post for our blog and we could list some of the uh, Bill of Rights that you see as essential for nurses, and we could start a conversation about that and what how people feel about that. That would be great. Yeah, that would be exciting. Now, I also wanted to ask you, you also mentioned the empowered nurses method. Now, does that have to do with the Bill of Rights, or is this something more far-reaching than that? That's the five-step program that I mentioned previously, um, with creating the environment you love, the communication, leadership, protection, and um, organizational change components. And are you finding that this method is actually working? I am. I use it with all of my clients um, and teach them all about it because, you know, usually my clients are in a, a difficult situation and they um, – you know, any support that I can give them going back into the workplace um, is is what I want to do. I don't just want to handle, I always joke that I've put the care back into the law because, you know, I treat my clients like they're my patients, not that they're they're sick or anything, but, you know, they get, they do get a lot of care and attention from me. Um, They all have my cell phone numbers. I always joke it's like a doctor. They give their cell phone and nobody ever calls them. Um, but I, I want them to know that they're taken care of and, and I'm going to do the best I can for them. Mm. Wonderful. Well, yeah, that's that certainly sounds like some great peace of mind uh, for your clients. And it is funny, too, as, as you had mentioned that, you give people your cell phone number, uh, your immediate contact or close contact information and how they don't necessarily utilize that. And I think I've known physicians to do that pretty often, well, the physicians that I know that are good friends and colleagues, they oftentimes give out their personal cell phone numbers, and it's interesting. It's almost a, I don't know in your situation, but almost like peace of mind, like, well, I could call the doc if I wanted to, but I don't really need to. And and it's just, I, I think you just have that, but yet you don't use it because there's just not a false sense of security, but you just know that you can get in touch with someone um, pretty quickly if you need to. Yeah, and it's ultimately my goal to do myself out of a job. Um, I I am hopeful that that nurses will, um, you know, take their power back, and they won't need me. I agree with that too, because people ask me what I what they think or what I think I'll be doing in five, ten, fifteen years, and I said, well, maybe I'll be selling cars, because I I ultimately would love to work myself out of a job too. Mm-hmm. 
wouldn't we all in a way wouldn't 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 that be wonderful and i know a lot of nurses out there would really love their their patients their clients to be healthy enough to not need them anymore and i think a lot of doctors feel that way as well and there's probably a lot of legal nurse consultants and people in law too who would who would rather not have to represent nurses who are going before a disciplinary board even though it's our you know it's it's our bread and butter to work with our clients. We want our clients to have the the best, most fulfilling lives possible, right, Lori? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So and go go well, ahead. No, I wanted to. No, no, I wanted to add something in, in your opinion, Lori. And again, this isn't necessarily to put you on the hot seat. And uh, regarding going back to some insurance uh, components here, but do you have? Uh, you know, I said I asked early on about the liability insurance and the malpractice and. Uh, do you feel, because I think I've sometimes felt this way depending on the agent that I've talked to, that the uh, folks that are involved with these insurance companies are as informed as they need to be regarding what the laws are in each state when it comes to nursing practice and what coverage needs to happen or is this I mean, I don't, I don't know what the computer screen looks like with these folks that, that they're looking at, but I've sometimes gotten some mixed uh, information regarding how uh, you know I, how my coverage works when it comes to uh, per- teaching a class versus if I am a, a witness on the stand or if I'm consulting and, re- and developing protocols for people to follow at home and so on and so forth. And so I didn't know if you had some of your clients coming back to you saying things like that that maybe they've gotten some feedback or some mixed reviews about the insurance that they're carrying and and if they're carrying enough, if they're carrying the right insurance and and how that's all playing out. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just wanted to get your feel on that. Um, I really can't comment because I just deal with nurses before the licensing board, um, not nurses who teach classes or do coaching or any any other entrepreneurial activities. So I really don't know. Okay. I'm not... I'm not complaining. It's just, you know, I like to get some consistent information. And so mm-hmm. I tend to have a backup agent that sort of double double checks everything for me uh, to ensure that my coverage is adequate. And I don't mind having a little extra coverage. I mean, I think, you know, it's just as a business owner, you got to cover your assets. And Absolutely. so, you know, and again, I, I just don't reasonable. mind that. And, right, right. And, uh, um, one yeah, thing you can I, get is an umbrella coverage. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have that? I do. Um, so um, just for our listeners out there, for any information that they would like to know about. My, so I'm in private practice. I do uh, patient advocacy. So I do some, I do independent consulting. I also teach classes. Uh, I do some d- dabbling in some legal nurse consulting. But most of the agencies uh, or most of the contracts that I have are with other agencies that are covered entities. But we have an agreement. So we sign contracts. And I have a malpractice policy through NSO. I have a general liability policy through them, and a general, and I have an umbrella coverage or another policy under my uh, local insurance through State Farm, just to cover the business aspects of it. But it's interesting because of Colorado's rules with the business associate agreements and HIPAA and, and high tech and everything. They're now offering additional coverages for. Uh, protecting that information. So HIPAA, the HIPAA clause comes into play or in with the NSO policy 
clause is to say just that that addition to it, that coverage there for any of the the information regarding uh, PHI or uh, you know personal health information or private health information. And so I just make sure that at least the the business itself, the the materials in my business, if I'm off-site and I trip over something and I break somebody's computer or I don't know TV, I have coverage there. Uh, but then, obviously, I also protect my license. And, and first and foremost, what I just do is just provide safe patient care and double-check everything that I'm doing as a clinician. It sounds like you're doing everything you can do. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah. And so, like you're covering yeah, a lot I mean, of like cases, I said, Oh yeah, and I'm trying to, and and so like I said, I might be a little above and beyond on a couple of those things, but again, in some aspects, it, it really isn't. It's such a small investment, uh, like I said, for the much larger picture um, that we have here in the company. So uh, it's it's a check that I do not mind writing. Yeah, I feel the same way. Actually, I've had my own liability insurance for some time with an extra rider around coaching and that sort of thing. So it is a peace of mind. And um, Lori, I wanted to ask you before we go um, about some of the results that your clients get when they work with you around the empowered nurse model. What it, what are you finding that your that your clients walk away with after having spent some time with you? They love, like their jobs much better. Hmm, it's like okay. it's so interesting because nothing changes except their the way they look at things changes. But they're just so much happier. They're they're more joyful. Um, especially like nurses on probation. They initially they feel like they're walking on eggshells. Like, uh oh, if I make a mistake, the board's going to take my license now. And you know they're grateful to have the second chance by having their license on probation. And we talk about, well, if you're focusing on walking on eggshells and not making a mistake, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to make a mistake. So just go with the attitude to be the best nurse you can and be confident in what you're doing. And it makes all the difference in the world for them. Right. So a lot of it it really is about attitude then. It's about how you look at your practice or your job and what the um maybe what kind of lenses you put on in the morning before you head to work um I, the the term attitude is just um it's it's kind of loaded <laughs> it's not necessarily mm-hmm. attitude but it's okay um i use a four step process of responsibility commitment authenticity and contribution and if one of those things is out like if you're not being responsible and the source for your day, then you're going to run around and everything is going to affect you. You're going to be at effect of everything. So it's not necessarily attitude, um, but it's sort of the way, the approach you take in taking care of your patients and, and going through your day and, and looking at it through um, the lens of responsibility, authenticity, contribution, and commitment. Mm. Oh, I love that. Responsibility contribution, commitment, and what was the fourth one? Authenticity. Authenticity. Well, wonderful. You know, authenticity is interesting. You don't want to just go around telling people what you think, but if you're going to be a contribution to them, then if it's going to help them and be in their best interest, then you need to say something. Mm -hmm. 
So it's it's a, a weighing, but it's using those tools. If something is out in your practice, you've got to look at it in terms of, you know, you're creating this. Are you the source of this? And how, what do you do about it? Right. And how do okay. you take responsibility for it? And and not in so, terms of fault or fault or blame, but in terms of just, you know, you're you're creating it, the source. Sure. So taking responsibility and being authentic is obviously a big part of being empowered in your work because you can speak your mind, you can say what you need to say, communicate what you need to, and you can feel not, I don't want to use the word justified, but you can feel very clear that you're acting from an authentic and responsible place. Right, and you're serving right. other people by being a contribution to them. Right, okay, that's where the contribution comes in. Great, okay. So we wanted to make sure people knew where to find you. Uh, you are at empowerednurses.org, and on Twitter you are at empowerednurses. So folks, if you're listening, please go over to... Um, Please go over to Twitter to at Empowered Nurses and follow Lori. And also go to her website, empowerednurses.org. Now, Lori, to find your Facebook page, I don't see a link on your website at this point. Will there be one up there soon so that people can go right to your Facebook page from empowerednurses.org? Yes. Uh, my kids are teaching me how to do social media. <laughs> All right. That's um, great. But you can search Empowered Nurses on Facebook and I'll come right up. Yeah, and we've also tweeted that out. We'll have it on our Facebook page. Uh, we'll make sure people hear about that. And But definitely get those buttons up on your site for social share and um, social connection. That'll be a great way for people to find you just from that one place. That'll be really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And I, okay. I'd love to, for everybody to share this with their friends because it's new and my purpose is to help the whole nursing uh, profession but I can't do it alone. I need your help. Right. Well, thank you for doing that. It's right up our alley. You know that's what we're all about here. So we really appreciate you doing what you're doing, and we'll we'll help you however we can get the word out. Well, thanks. Thanks, and I'd be happy to write a blog. Great. Great. Oh, Wonderful. Well, we would love that. Yeah, I'll go to the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay. That's right. Hanging out on the carnival. Yeah, certainly. We did tweet that out, and that is if you just go over to thenerdynurse.com, to all of our listeners out there, and of course to you, Lori, you will see the first uh, round of the blog carnival, and there is a sign up on the. There's a couple of badges on the site there, or if you could just go to scrubsmag.com, either way. Um, you'll find it over there as well. We would love to have you involved in the blog carnival because it is definitely a wonderful way for us all to collaborate and share our thoughts. And uh, we would appreciate having you uh, part of that little community. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lori. You have a wonderful night, and we'll probably have you on again sometime next year. So let us know, and we'll keep people posted on what's happening with Empowered Nurses over the months, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Keith. Sure. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. So, folks, again, that's empowerednurses.org. You can find Lori Brown there, and she's at Empowered Nurses on Twitter. So definitely hit her up and say hi, and you can find her Facebook page as well. So many thanks to Lori for being on the show. And, Kevin, what do you think about those... Uh, the Nurses' Bill of Rights, the Empowered Nurses' Bill of Rights, I really want to see that in print and maybe hang that up somewhere where I can see it on a regular basis. 
I do too, Keith. And and like I said before, I, that's just nothing out of the ordinary. That should just be basic requirements, quite frankly. And I think that's wonderful that Lori is uh, singing the the Bill of Rights, you know. And I'll be I'll be singing the praises there as well. So I would. I'm going to print that out and put that. So I'm going to frame that in my office. So that's right. And hopefully we'll we'll get that up. It'll be up on her her website, and then we can hopefully link to it from RNFM Radio so people can see it and start to really take that in. And sounds like Lori's open to some suggestions for additional rights that nurses deserve. So I bet that list might get pretty long pretty quickly. I would agree because I think you know this. It, it again, it all ties in with uh, you know the the horizontal violence that we've talked about and the toxic work environments, and so it's just it's a very similar message that that Lori is is uh, giving us uh, here as the community here in RNFM and all nurses out there. So I'm just I'm glad that she's got this new platform, empowered nurses, and and I hope that this uh, continues to be successful not only for her but obviously for for the nurses who will greatly benefit from the services and the support. That's right. Yeah. And talking about empowerment for nurses, too, over at the nerdynurse.com, right at the top of her page today, you can see the tips for new nurse grads. That's the first Scrubs Mag blog carnival. And you can read all the entries there. And Kevin, do you have an entry in this one? I think you do. I do. Uh, my my post was titled uh, "New Grad Advice to Help You Succeed at Your First Job," and I one of the probably the more important points. I won't you know you can certainly head over at innovativenurse.com and check it out. But one of the points that I had made that could be controversial, but I think it talks it's sort of on the heels of what Lori was talking about when you t- when you're saying authenticity. And you know, being able to communicate with your preceptor, because in orientation, you're going to have a preceptor. You're going to have someone helping you out. And then what is uh, going to happen is that as time goes on, you know, you, your personalities will either mesh or they won't mesh. But what, it, what is good, I think, to establish early on in your communication is to say, you know, okay, here's my learning style. This is what, you know, I felt my strengths are in school or how I learned or uh, gained information, and just so you can kind of give your preceptor that info, and then also have a an open dialogue about, you know, I would really love like if we get to a point where we might feel uh, there could be a conflict, whether it be personality or professional. Like if we could sit down together, you and I, as you know, preceptor to you know new grad nurse, and and discuss this. Now sometimes there's a hospital policy or an organizational policy in place that. Any grievances must be done in front of a mediator or nurse manager or whatever. But I just think having that open dialogue right from the beginning uh, will help you avoid any he said, she said, because it's it's a very stressful environment that you're going to be working in more than likely. And then on top of that, you're, you're learning. You know, you've got orientation, just kind of learning where things are, learning the people, learning the job, basically learning how to be a nurse. And so it is very stressful for the new grad. So right. I just have many, many points, but one of that is part of empowerment is to sit down with your preceptor and just be transparent, be open, and keep that dialogue going. Mm. Now, you're talking about your clinical preceptor, not not a preceptor from school, but the one that you're no. working with on the floor, right? The professional nurse who's who's kind of taking you under their wing. Taking you under their wing, yes, as you have uh-huh. gotten your first job, and they're the ones who are assigned to you. Because I, I had a, um, I had a preceptor 
uh, Debbie, who was at Johns Hopkins Hospital, and she was a wonderful uh, mentor to me during my months of orientation at Johns Hopkins. And she and I, I think had a really good working relationship. And I just, you know, she made me laugh. I made her laugh. It was a very good personality fit. But one thing that I did tell her is that, you know, if there's anything that you feel that you're really concerned about, uh, please come to me and and don't feel that you have to hold back or you know we can have these discussions as professionals and and I really wanted her to know that and I valued that kind of relationship that we had very open and she wanted the same thing that's great that's really important and you know I've talked to a lot of nurses out there and I bet people listening to the show will agree that a lot of us go into a new job and we don't have that we don't have that camaraderie and support we feel like we're being thrown to the sharks or thrown to the wolves and you know some facilities will offer great precepting and great support for new grads and others really seem to be setting new grads up for failure sometimes and i'm wondering what does it take for a facility to realize that when they invest in precepting a new grad well how much that will come back to to support their mission in the end. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, of course, I understand that. And that was actually one of the comments that uh, I had made on your post uh, this morning. Of course, I know you wrote did, – you wrote that post last year, didn't you, about new grads? Yeah, it was an, I cheated. It was an old one, right? No, no, it's okay because I think that was the idea with the blog carnival that we could we could share posts that we had already written, and you had really – captured that piece there and adding in Lori's bill of rights uh certainly could could really help with that foundation and actually what did i i don't i don't have it pulled up but uh i can't remember the comment that i made over there regarding that so what was the piece that i had highlighted on your blog post there over at digital doorway Oh my gosh, um, you're taxing my memory here, Kevin. So sorry about that. No, it's a soft <laughs> no no, it's okay. A soft landing for new nurses. And, uh, oh, you talked about the new paradigm in the way that, uh, you know, this has to be a paradigm shift. This has to be something uh, new. I mean, we do need to welcome them, as you say, welcome them into the fold with open arms, guided into positions where their strengths and uh, they can be celebrated, their weaknesses gently addressed and their fears allayed. I mean, are you kidding me? That's what we need to be doing. I mean, that's exactly what needs to happen. I mean, Keith captures that moment that we just need to have we need to feel nurtured supported and and just in an environment where we can thrive and if you set up your your new graduate nurse residency programs and your support system and how you train your preceptors uh, to handle these new graduates then i think we globally across the board will have organizations that will have nurses who are thriving they will have longevity sustainability and Quite frankly, I think your bottom line is going to feel a lot better because these nurses aren't jumping ship left and right. Yeah, that's right. That's true. And um, can I read a little something from um, from that post? I actually just brought it up, and I wanted to read something out yeah, loud. Yeah, of course. Um, many new nurses feel like imposters, and while they're scared to death to make an error and harm or kill a patient – they're also often lonely, disconnected, and needing support as they find their nurse legs. Seasoned nurses have been known to roll their eyes when a new grad gets hired, thinking only of themselves and how that novice nurse will just create more work for them in terms of teaching, guiding, and assisting the new arrival. 
However, that cynical seasoned nurse needs to remember how it was when he or she began their career and how one helpful and supportive colleague can absolutely change the entire trajectory and tenor of the first months in any new nurse's career. And Kevin, it sounds like that person that you had for you back at Johns Hopkins was that person, that she really made that difference for you at a time when you really needed it. Oh, of course. I mean, because in regard, the, the learning curve is huge, and it can uh-huh. be bigger depending on the position that you take or, or the, the area of um, you know medicine that you're in or healthcare. And I, I will say this. Yes, you are right. And I think the consensus was anybody who was a preceptor who took um, you know that that um, opportunity to work with the new grads, I think each and every one of them were just stellar. They were incredible human beings, incredible professionals, and we really embraced the new nurses coming in because quite frankly, they're just spry, full of just spunk and and wanting to learn and just a sponge. And quite frankly, we embraced that. I mean, I even had the opportunity to have student nurses and new graduate nurses, uh, even at my short time at Hopkins that I worked with. And I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly did because it's it's like they hang on every word you say. They watch everything uh-huh. that you do. And they just they want to mimic that. But obviously, they'll put their own little flavor in there. But for me, that empowered me to want to continue to do something for new graduate nurses because I felt like, wow, what a need and, and what a, uh, a beneficial support to the system overall, but for nurses, you know, as a profession. So hands, That's right. you know, hats off, hats off to preceptors and, and those educators that are doing this and doing such a wonderful job at it. True. That's so true. It's such an investment, you know, and I really feel like this whole idea of precepting definitely maybe belongs the right or the, yeah, the right to have a high-quality preceptorship is definitely something that belongs in the Nursing Bill of Rights. And maybe we need a new grad Bill of Rights for new nurses because they have a very special set of needs that really need to be addressed. And it really is an investment that we all kind of make collectively. You know, it's a collective investment not just in that nurse's education and not just in her facility, but it's really an investment in the industry and the profession as a whole, you know. So because that nurse who you, that seasoned nurse who might be rolling their eyes at the new grad, that new grad could be taking care of you down the road or your mother or your brother or your best friend or your, your spouse and you want that new grad to really get their nurse legs so that they can provide the best care they can because you might be the one in the bed and there at the bedside. Right. So that is a great point, Keith, a great mm-hmm. point, because why wouldn't we want our nurses, our new nurses, to be successful? Obviously, we want them to provide safe patient care. And you know, going back to the organization, again, I do, I do think it does start there as far as thinking about a residency program that helps train the preceptors and the educators and even offering them something in addition to their base salary because, yes, these nurses could be seasoned and really good at what they do and able to share this knowledge, but I'm sure, going back to when I was actually teaching at the bedside, there's something to be said, like when you're actually doing your work, you're not having to talk out loud, you're charting to yourself, you're doing what you're doing, but... Each and every day when you're with that new graduate, you're having to talk 
through everything. You're having to double check everything. So it is additional work. It's additional stress for those preceptors. And I think that organizations that are not uh, compensating, adequately compensating, whether that be financial or some other uh, benefit to that employee, I think you're doing a huge disservice to the to the whole residency or nurse graduate uh, system that you have in place at the organization. Oh, that's that's a great point, Kevin. Because I wonder how many facilities really just expect that preceptorship to happen without any compensation, or what's the word you might use for that other than compensation? There's another term, um, just adding. Well, you know, yeah, it's it's an um, added do, benefit. You know, or, or you know, think of that as a fringe benefit, something in addition that they could offer, whether it's not money, but you know, or a reward. I don't want to say a reward, but I mean, I just again, we want to help, we want to teach, we want to pay it forward, but again, it, it's it's additional responsibility. Sure. There. Well, uh, the word I was thinking of there was a differential. Mm-hmm. You know, why not? Why not give oh, yeah. a differential? And I'm sure some do. So that's that's a great thing to talk about. And um, I'd love to speak with some administrators out there, DONs, to find out what they're doing about that. Because as we need to train these new up-and-coming folks, we really need to make sure that the ones who are training them are somehow rewarded for that, for their effort. Right. And I think there are more and more residency programs that are coming uh, back into fruition, so to speak, because I think when the economy took somewhat of a nosedive, these new nurse programs or nurse graduate programs were getting uh, axed uh, because you know facilities weren't hiring new grads or as many new grads, or maybe they were only enrolling once a year, where I know, I think at Hopkins, they had something like a quarterly uh, new graduate program or something like that. It might have been twice a year, but still pretty comprehensive. Exactly. I mean, it was actually a year uh, support system, a year program for me personally, not just on right. orientation, but they called it spring. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and even after we got off, so we didn't have a preceptor anymore or you know a nurse a go-to, we still had classes and meetings just to say, hey, how are things going? How are you feeling? Sure. You're off orientation now. Let us know. Give us some feedback because they really wanted to keep their finger on the pulse of how things were really going. Well, that's brilliant, and that's John Hopkins, and that's probably one reason they're listed as one of the best facilities in the country, right? So that goes to show that what goes around comes around. Well, and hey, if, if Johns Hopkins wants to uh, throw us a bone here at RNFM Radio, because I think I've done quite a bit of uh, free advertising and uh, for for Johns Hopkins Hospital, but again, it is a great facility. But certainly, if anybody from Johns Hopkins is listening, certainly pass uh, on my praises and gratitude uh, to the hospital. And again, maybe somebody there is listening to our show. Hopefully, that's and right. Might and um, uh, announce it over there. Yeah, and make checks payable to RNFM Radio, right? Just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, no, Pulse Media Group Incorporated. (laughs) Uh, Pulse Media Group Incorporated. We'll be talking about that more down the road. So, uh, well, Kev, I noticed it's getting on to 10 after the hour or so, and I wanted to just mention the guests over the next four weeks, and then we can start to wrap up. So I wanted to let folks know that next Monday, July 22nd, my very dear friend Tom Namaya He's a nurse practitioner, homeopath, poet, musician, writer, artist, and performance artist. He'll be talking mostly about his newest book, which is um, Journal of the Plague, and it's the story of his work in the inner city of New York 
back in the early 80s when the AIDS epidemic was just starting out and we didn't even know what it was yet. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book, very poetic and um, heart-wrenching on some level and just lovely. And he'll be talking a lot about that. But we will touch on his work as a homeopath, a poet, a musician, and all the art and performance art he does around the world. So that's next week on Monday. He's a great charismatic person. You'll really enjoy him. On the 29th of July, we have Carmen Kosacek. She's a nursing visionary and entrepreneur, and she's a lot to tell us about entrepreneurship and her visions for the nursing profession. And on August 5th, beginning the month of August, we have Kate Lineberry. She is not a nurse, but she's the author of The Secret Rescue, an untold story of American nurses and medics behind Nazi lines. And it is an amazing story, and she did a great deal of research about nurses in World War II. So if you want to learn about some 20th century history of nurses, especially nurses in war, definitely listen in on August 5th or listen to the archive after. And finally, on August 12th, we have Jean Samard. She is a cancer rehabilitation expert, and she really talks the talk and walks the walk of cancer rehab and how important it is for people who are recovering from and living with cancer. So Jean Samard is a nurse and a cancer rehab specialist, and she'll be talking specifically about what cancer rehabilitation really is and why she thinks it's so important for nurses to embrace it and understand it. So, Kevin, that's the next four weeks. How does that sound? It sounds like a jam-packed schedule, and I look forward to each and every episode. And then, again, we will be dialing up more of the frequency, more of the commentation, or the commentary, rather, uh, that Keith and I just had here at the end of the show and some at the beginning of the show. We'd actually like to have shows where we just talk about news stories out there. And we appreciate you, each and every one of you, Facebook, Twitter, who have already been reaching out about uh, newsworthy stories here to have on the show. And so we'll be featuring some of those in some of our newer episodes, and those are still to be announced. Uh, but, again, we do appreciate that, and I think the Blog Carnival is going to be a great way for us to funnel in more shows. So sign up at the you know for that Blog Carnival. Uh, check it out at scrubsmag.com so that we can have more content, more wonderful content to share with you, the community, that's by the community. That's right. That's right. It is by the community, and it's a growing community all the time. And speaking of community, you can find us at facebook.com slash rnfmradio. You can find us at RNFM Radio on Twitter, of course, and you can always find our blog at rnfmradio.com. And I'm always available over at nursekeith.com. If you want to talk about coaching or nursing or healthcare, feel free to contact me. I'm over at facebook.com slash nursekeithcoaching and always tweeting over at nursekeith. And if you go to nursekeith.com, you can also find the feed for my blog, Digital Doorway, and read about what I've been writing about lately. There's always new posts every week. So, Kevin, I'm going to let you wrap up and say goodnight. I'm going to wish everyone a wonderful week. Hope to see you all here on the 22nd with Tom Namaya, my dear friend from Vermont. And, Kevin, I will talk with you soon and wish you a lovely night as well. Well, thank you, Keith. Always a pleasure. And, of course, I do want to thank Lori Brown of Empowered Nurses. Uh, we appreciate this interview tonight. Andrew Lopez hanging out in the chat room uh, and another guest over there, too. We really appreciate that. Andrew Lopez of Nurse Friendly, at Nurse Friendly, if you want to follow him over at Twitter. And we also had Nursing First, Nursing underscore First, at Nursing underscore First, over here on Twitter. And Erica McDonald of uh, Self-Employed MSN, or Self-Employed Nurse 
uh, nurses, and she is also part of the Blog Carnival, and we really appreciate her as a community member. But as always, we do want to thank you for spending your time with us live tonight here on rnfmradio.com or Blog Talk Radio, or whatever day you're just happen to be listening to us archived. RNFM Radio is working hard to bring you valuable content while creating a global exchange among nurses and other clinicians. We hope that you have in some way felt uplifted, motivated, ready for something that moves the needle for you. Find passion in your life and everything uh, you create each and every day. Care for yourself while caring for others, and we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio.